In a previous message, I spoke on the topic of lessons from Jonah, and that message covered chapter 1. And so today, we will look at lessons from Jonah, part 2, and cover the the second half of this. In chapter 1, God directed Jonah to Nineveh to preach against its wickedness. However, Jonah disobeyed God and boarded a ship and headed in the opposite direction. The sailors of the ship became concerned of the great storm that brewed, and Jonah explained that God was bringing judgment upon him. The sailors then threw him into the sea, where the Bible tells us he was swallowed by an enormous fish. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, we're told, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So now Jonah was in the belly of this fish. And we may wonder, what did Jonah do? Well, if we skip over to chapter 2, we see exactly what Jonah did. It tells us, after Jonah was swallowed by the fish, chapter 2, verse 1, says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Jonah prayed while he was in the fish. So what does this mean? Well, it means that you and I can basically pray from anywhere and at any time. For Jonah, it was in the belly of the fish. For us, it's different. We may not be swallowed by a fish. I hope that none of you ever were or ever will be. But for us, we have to remember that it's not just at church that we meet with God and have a time of prayer. God is spirit and not confined to just the walls of a church, but he's everywhere. That means that we can pray while we're in the bathroom. We can pray while we're standing in line at the grocery store. We can pray while we're riding the bus. We can pray while we're at the gym working out. We can pray Anywhere and at any time. God wants to hear from us. He wants us to call on Him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Call on His name. Pray continually. In Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3, we're told, Call on me. And I will answer you. That is the Lord. Call on the Lord and he will answer you. And he will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He wants us to call on his name. He wants us to pray without ceasing. And we can do that at any time, anywhere. There's a beautiful video clip that I want you to watch. And I think it beautifully illustrates this point. Rescue, raising questions about the power of prayer. People are scouring nearly 70 photographs looking for some sign of a man they swear they saw at the scene of a car accident. He prayed a life was saved. So why did he disappear even from the photos? ABC's David Muir now on Faith and a Mystery Tonight. Tonight it's being called the Missouri Miracle. Much of it, though, still a mystery. A teenager with a beautiful smile, 19-year-old Katie Lentz, trapped in her mangled car, hit by a drunk driver. 
and first responders trying to get her out. Sheriff Deputy Richard Adair won't forget when the fire chief turned to him in despair. He was concerned because he was out of options. The tools weren't working and uh, it was by that time, I said almost an hour, he said, I don't know how we're going to get her out. And I said, Raymond, we, I promised her mother and her that we'd get her out. Well, inside that car, Katie had one request, to pray with the rescuers out loud. And then suddenly, right there amidst the rows of corn, at the scene blocked off for nearly a mile, a man appears. He was dressed in a black priest shirt with a white collar. And the rescuers notice something else. He was carrying a small bottle. He had a small little white container of anointment oil is what it appeared to be. And he asked if he could anoint um, the girl in the car. And at first, my first thought was that it would possibly send the wrong message to Katie that maybe we had called a priest. But they allow him to do it. A sense of, of calmness come over her then, even more so than what she had been already. I can't be for certain who said or how it was said or where it come from. We very plainly heard that, that we should remain calm, that uh, our tools would, would now work, and that we would get her out of that vehicle. Moments later, it happened. A neighboring fire department arrives with a new set of stronger tools, finally able to cut through that frame. They all turned to thank the priest, but he was gone. In fact, in all of those photos of the scene, no sign of the priest. And tonight, family and friends are grateful. Whether it was just a, a, a priest as an angel, serving as an angel, or an actual angel that came in, he was an angel to, to all of those and to Katie. The fire department's Facebook page tonight filling up fast. Do any of the responders know who the priest was that seemingly appeared out of nowhere? I would love to shake his hand. And tonight from Katie's mother, a message too. Very pleased that Katie's near tragic accident provides proof to all that miracles still happen. Her mother adding, please continue to pray for her. And in Katie's words, pray out loud. Pray out loud. And today we reached out to 15 churches within 30 miles of that accident scene. No one could tell us who the man was. And as for Katie, six and a half hours of surgery, many broken bones, but her mother says her face and that beautiful smile, untouched. But Diane, everyone at that rescue scene, touched by that stranger. And dozens of people saw him, and yet nothing. This video illustrates not only the fact that we can pray out loud, pray anywhere at any time, but it also shows us the power that our prayers contain. We will never know the power of prayer. We will never fully understand it, but we know that things happen when we pray. So may we continue to remember that we can pray anywhere and at any time. Amen? Amen. Jonah goes on to tell us in chapter 2, and it records his prayer. The prayer that he prayed from inside the fish. He says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, and all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down, the earth beneath bared me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. 
to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. This is the prayer that Jonah prayed inside the belly of the fish. Now, if you look carefully at this prayer, it's a beautiful prayer. But if we look carefully at it, we can see and compare it to that of the psalmist. In verse 2 here, in verse 2, part A, he says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. In Psalm 118, verse 5, the psalmist says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. The second part of verse 2 says, From the deep in the realm of the dead I call for help, and you listen to my cry. Psalm chapter 30, verse 3 says, O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Verse 4, part B, says, Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Then in Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, I will bow down toward your holy temple. In verse 5, the first part, says, The engulfing waters threaten me, the deep surrounded me. In Psalm chapter 88, verse 17, the psalmist says, All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. Then in verse 8, we see those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And then in Psalm 31, verse 6, the psalmist says, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. And then in this last verse, verse 9, says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And in Psalm 37, verse 39, it says, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. What can we see from this? We can see that Jonah was praying the prayers of the psalmist. He was using the word of God as his encouragement. He was quoting from the word of God. He was praying those beautiful prayers, remembering the words of the psalmist. And this can teach us that the word of God is our defense and encouragement in times of need. The word of God is our defense and encouragement in times of need. We can use this word to defend ourselves and to encourage ourselves. God's word is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what Hebrews tells us, that the word of God is alive and active and that we can use it as our defense. What does someone use a sword for? To defend themselves. And this, the Bible, is our defense. So what is it defending us against? The attacks of the enemy 
It's defending us against that. We need to know the Word of God. It is so important that as Christians and as believers, we know what the Bible says. Otherwise, people will tell us different things, and we won't know what to believe. But if we know what the Bible says, if we know what God's Word says, then we will know. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We need the Word of God. There's a story in the Bible that talks about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. How many of you have heard that story or have read that story? Most of us have. And in that story, you'll notice he was tempted by Satan three times. There was three different temptations. And what did he use to defend himself? The word of God. The word of God was his defense. When Satan told him, tell these stones to become bread, he quoted from Deuteronomy, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When Satan told him, throw yourself down, He quoted from Psalm 91 when he said, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And when Satan told him, All of this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. He quoted from Deuteronomy again, saying, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He used the word of God at his defense. And the word of God is what we are to use to defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. But how can we use it if we don't know it? How can we use it if we don't know it? Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Do you know the word of God enough to use it to your defense and to encourage you in times of need? Because if you know it, then you know that when those times come when you really need encouragement, then you know where to go. We can know the word of God and use it when you lose your job, when your spouse loses their job to go and to encourage yourselves to remind you of what the word of God says when you have a problem in your marriage to go to the word of God to find comfort and encouragement and strength and help when you experience a disappointing situation when you're struggling financially when you lose a loved one you can run to the word of God and find comfort and peace knowing that there is eternal life in store. When you feel tempted, when you feel alone, when you feel worthless, when you feel like no one understands, when you're not sure what decision you should make, we can go to the Word of God. And it's important that we not only know the Scripture, but we memorize it and we put it into action. It's important that we memorize the word of God and put it into action. So whatever your situation may be, God's word is important for us to know so that we can use it to our defense 
and encouragement. Amen? That is exactly what Jonah did in encouraging himself in the word of God. And then the last verse in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. God commanded this fish and vomited Jonah onto dry land. God protected Jonah throughout that time in the belly of the fish. Is that not amazing that God has the ability to do that? And he has command over nature. And then in chapter 3, it goes on to tell us, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city and proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. These are the first four verses of chapter 3. And we see that now... Uh, Jonah was being obedient to the Lord in going and giving the message to Nineveh that God had given them. Giving this warning and giving this message to them. And he was faithful in doing that. And this can teach us that sometimes the Lord might use us, might use you, might use me, to bring rebuke and correction to a person or group of people. Sometimes the Lord uses us. To do that, to bring about correction, to rebuke someone and bring about the correction that they need to a situation. So what does the word rebuke mean? Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary, it means to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. So basically to tell them what they are doing is wrong. To tell them straightforwardly what you are doing is wrong and to bring about correction because of that. Now we have to understand that if the Lord uses us in such a way, it is a big responsibility. But we also need to do it in a loving way. Amen? We need to do it in a loving way. Because, you know, I don't really like to be told when I'm doing something wrong... And I'm sure you don't, but if we need to hear it, we need to hear it. But it's easier for me to hear it if it's done in a loving and gentle way, right? And I think it's probably the same for you. So it's important if this happens for us to be sensitive towards the other person, gentle and loving. And we know that this has happened in the Bible when King David When he had fallen to temptation and he sinned with Bathsheba, the Lord used the prophet Nathan to rebuke him and to bring about correction in his life. The Lord used Nathan to help him to see what he was doing was wrong. And he was obedient in doing that. So what are some examples of when the Lord might use us to rebuke someone? Well... If your child is doing or has done something wrong. So if your child has cheated or has stolen or has vandalized. As a parent, it's important for you to rebuke him or her. To bring about correction in that situation. 
If your young person has been having sex before marriage, it's important that you rebuke that young person and help them to change their ways and to stop. If you find out that your classmate has cheated on a final exam, it's important that you rebuke that person and help to bring about correction. If a family member is living with you and is lazy and not wanting to get a job but to leech off of you, it's important that you rebuke that person and help to bring about correction to that situation. If you find out that your coworker is using company time to do personal errands or, or to do their own personal thing, then it's important that you rebuke them and help to bring about correction. If you find out that a friend has been lying about you and spreading lies to other people, it's important that we rebuke them and help to bring about correction. Sometimes the Lord might use us to bring about rebuke and correction to a person or group of people. And if that happens, we are to do it in a loving and gentle way. Jonah was faithful and obedient to the Lord by going and giving this message to Nineveh. He didn't want to go, but he did. And he gave this message to Nineveh. Now verse 5 says, The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. He says, By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. So what does this mean? It means that the king took this seriously. He took the warning that was given to him seriously. And he acted upon it. And this can teach us that you and I must take the warnings God gives us seriously when we need to change. You and I must take the warnings that God gives us seriously when we need to change. Now, we may not personally have a Jonah in our lives that tells us a direct message from God. But God does still use people in different ways, not only people, but things to speak to us, to help warn us and help us bring about change in our life. The Lord might use his word, which is a prime example, the word of God, to bring about change and correction in our life. And he might use this to help someone understand that there is a God who loves them, a God who died for them, a God who forgives them and gives them eternal life through him. The Lord might use that to warn someone and help them to bring about that change. The Lord might use a person who went through a similar financial situation to help someone who was struggling financially and maybe headed to bankruptcy to warn them and to bring about a change in their financial situation. 
The Lord might use a sermon on a particular issue to help someone who's been struggling with that issue and warn them to change their ways and to correct themselves. The Lord might use a teacher to warn a student to start studying and doing their schoolwork to warn them otherwise they may not get accepted into the college or university that they want to go to. The Lord might use a parent to help a young person to warn them and help them understand that they need to stop hanging out with that certain group of friends who may lead them into some serious trouble with the law. The Lord might use a doctor to warn someone, to help them to understand they need to change their eating habits or certain things in their life. Otherwise, they may develop an illness or sickness such as high cholesterol or diabetes to change their ways before that happens. And when the Lord uses someone or something to help warn us to bring about a change in our life, like the king of Nineveh, we need to take that Seriously, By him ordering this decree, putting sackcloth on, covering himself with dust, and even saying, no one is to eat anything, but we're going to fast, and we're going to pray about this, that means he took it seriously. He didn't just say to Jonah, well, thanks for the message, I'll see what I can do, but he took it seriously. And we need to take the warnings that God gives us seriously. And one of the biggest warnings that God gives us that we cannot ignore, whether Christians or non-Christians, is that there is a thing called death. And we have to make a decision before that. In this life, we have to make a decision. Because the decision we make now affects where we will spend eternity. And God warns us. To choose him because in him that is where we find eternal life and we need to take that seriously and not only for us but for others to help them understand that truth just because we're saved and we know that we're bound for heaven doesn't mean that we don't have to go out and, and have an urgency to tell others about Jesus he wants us to go and to share his word and to help others find him as well. May we take that warning seriously. Continuing on in in verse 9 of chapter 3, it goes on to tell us, the the king of uh, Nineveh says, who knows? God may relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. God did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. They took that warning seriously and in turn, God showed them compassion. May we learn from that and may we be a person who shows compassion to others even if they don't deserve it. May we be a person and may we be people who show compassion to others, even if we feel they don't deserve it. Maybe the Ninevites, they didn't 
deserve the compassion that God had. In fact, we see in later in chapter 4 that Jonah felt that they did not deserve God's compassion. But God showed them compassion. He is a wonderful God who shows us things that we don't deserve. It says in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 13, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The Lord is a compassionate God. And what does compassion mean? Well, it means a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. And not only feeling sorry for them, but it goes on to say accompanied, so also with, a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. To help take away that suffering. So not only feeling sorry for someone, but wanting to do something about their situation. That is the kind of God that we serve, a compassionate God, a loving God, a God who wants to change our circumstance and our situation. And the word tells us that he does not treat us as our sins deserve. We don't deserve the grace that God has given us. We don't deserve the forgiveness that he has given us. We don't deserve eternal life that he has so freely died for us to have but he gives it to us because of his love because of his mercy grace and compassion he not only felt sorry for us but he decided to do something to change our situation and may we be people who constantly show compassion to others even when they don't deserve it Many times in the gospel, we see Jesus in his ministry showing compassion on other people, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, performing miracles because he had compassion on them. There are many people that we will encounter in our everyday life, and we already have, and we will continue, who get us upset and who make us feel like they don't deserve any compassion. When that person takes your parking spot that you've been waiting five minutes for, show them compassion and let them just have it. When someone is struggling financially and you think, well, it's their fault that they're in that situation, Show them compassion and help them, even if you can. Whatever the situation may be, may we be a person who shows compassion to others, even if they don't deserve it. These are some lessons that we can learn from Jonah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of sharing in your word. And we thank you for these lessons that we can learn from Jonah. And we pray that indeed, Lord, you would help us to put them into practice. You would help us to learn and you would help us to change. And we pray indeed that we won't go back to who we used to be, but that indeed, Lord, you would help to make us new and change us from the inside out. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would like to come and spend some time praying at the altar about any of these points, maybe you want the Lord to help you to be more of a compassionate person. Maybe you want the Lord's help to just be a person who is open to him using in different ways. Maybe you want the Lord to continue to help you to be obedient when he gives you a message or when he asks you to do something, whatever it may be. May we be people who pray and seek the will of God. Amen.